Hey, everybody. Um, so last night I realized that um, this is National ADHD Awareness Month. Um, I realized this through so, uh, somebody else's social media post. And um, I'd kind of been waiting for a time to discuss this in my own social media. I think people who have followed me for a long time know that I've always been real open um, discussing stuff with relation to my own mental health. Um, but there have been some developments on this front recently, and I, I was thinking about the right time to talk about it. And now I realize there's only two weeks left in typical ADHD fashion. I didn't find out um, until halfway through what was going on. And now I'm immediately interested and want to record something. So I thought I would tell a couple pieces of this story as I understand it now. First, I want to talk about how I discovered that I have ADHD. Um, I think I've talked to you know several other people um, about this and their own experience with finding out um, they've got some degree of executive function challenge. I'll get a little bit more into that term executive function as well later, um, because I think it's a good way for understanding ADHD. Um, so I want to talk about how I found out the gap between finding out and actually seeking treatment for it. And then I guess I want to talk about some of the stuff that, um, I, especially looking back, I reflect on as sort of unfortunate uh, circumstances uh, that relate back to my ADHD. Um, but I also want to leave you guys on a positive note. You know, a lot of my content is built around positive psychology. And honestly, most of the time when I think about my own ADHD, I kind of think of it as a superpower. So I, I want to share that message with people, not because I think um, I want to, you know, sort of patronize anybody who's struggling right now, but I want to sort of share the journey of how I got to a point where I actually feel, for the most part, really good about who I am and what's different about me. Um, because I, I hope that some other people who maybe part of this resonates with you, you start to realize that um, you're just different. And there's something really amazing about that. There's amazing possibilities that come with being different. Um, so how did I find out that I had ADHD? Well, um, this is a pretty funny story, actually. And I'm wearing my uh, pen shirt in honor of this story because um, I found out that uh, I had ADHD when I was 25 years old. It was actually the summer that I got admitted into my grad program in applied positive psychology at Penn. Um, I was, I'd been living out of house uh, for several years or several years out of college, I was 25 years old. Um, no judgment if you're 25 and live with your parents, but I, I had been out, um, but I was home visiting my parents. I was really excited that I had gotten admitted into this program. And um, I was having dinner 
as we always do in the DeSantis household, myself facing this way, my father to my left and my mother to my right. My brother was always, um, I guess there's only one place for us to be, but my brother wasn't there. It was just the three of us. And I could tell my parents were nervous about something. Um, and so we're eating dinner and I don't remember whether it was my mother or my father. I don't remember everybody's specific lines in this drama, but, um, we're sitting there at dinner and my parents sort of say to me like, Hey, listen, we, we got to tell you something. And I'm thinking like, Oh God, you know, <laughs> this is, it, it, for those of you out there who don't know me and maybe you do get to know me. Um, please never start a conversation with, hey, we need to talk or some variation on that because you're going to give me an anxiety attack. So anyway, I'm, I'm sitting there like, oh, my God, what's coming? And um, further context for this story, my, my father is a psychiatrist. And um, my parents essentially say to me, they go, look, um, we're really happy for you that you got into this grad program, but we're also really worried. Um, when you were real young, we had you evaluated for ADD. That's what it was called at the time. There were sort of different, um, different uh, uh, psychological disorders, ADD and ADHD. Everything's been, as I understand it, wrapped under one diagnosis, diagnosis of ADHD at this time. And they said um, it was pretty clear that uh, you had ADD we chose essentially to not do anything about it. But now we're worried because you've gotten into this grad program. We think it's gonna be really challenging for you. And we're wondering, honestly, if you're gonna be able to cope with the workload of what you're doing. And um, I was completely stunned in that moment. Like I, I could not at all, process what was being said to me um and because of that essentially my response at the time was well i've made it this far you know and obviously i i did enough to get admitted into this thing they must think that i can handle it um so whatever and for the time and place that I was in, actually, that was kind of accurate. Um, and I'll, I'll get more into some of this when I get to my uh, reflections back um, with the sort of hindsight knowledge that um, there was always something up with my executive function. There goes that term again, which I'll eventually define. Um, but Essentially, at the time, my, my, my response was whatever. And, and I entered the grad program, and I had an extremely strange, I remember they did a whole study skills section with us. And remember, I remember being like, I don't do any of that. And I don't plan on doing any of what you're suggesting. And here's my system for doing everything. And everybody thought that I was completely strange um, in the way that... I went about the program, but I did really well. Um, I'm proud of the work that I did. I did a really high quality of work. Um, I learned a ton and uh, I graduated, right? 
And um, so that was when I was 25 years old. It took me 13 years to seek out treatment for ADHD. Um, and I don't like to use the term regret because uh, I don't know, you know, you, you make the choices you make in life and um, sometimes you need to just do things to learn. But um, in many ways, I, I wish I would have gotten treatment for it a lot sooner because actually understanding what was going on at a deeper level than just like, Oh, that, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, it, it helped me a lot. It helped me a lot um, to understand some things better about myself. It helped me a lot to explain myself to other people, which I've discovered um, has been a lifelong challenge <laughs> that at, um, at moments, you know, uh, feels harder than others. And, um, it's definitely helped me, you know, in the relationships that matter most to me. Um, okay. So that was how I found out. And, and I'm uh, sorry, if I, if I fast forward to the time that I was getting treatment, um, I have been treated at various times for, uh, various psychological disorders, um, that, you know, I think I don't, um, I'm not, I'm not my own doctor, so I'm not going to get into, you know, too much discussion of like what was what and what was, you know, sort of precipitating what, um, you know, I follow the treatment of what I was doing. Um, I had, uh, for a long time or, or sort of initially, uh, for people who have listened to this probably six, seven years ago, right around the time that I, uh, my mom was uh, dying of cancer and that, that I was also simultaneously getting fired from my job in Denmark, I had sought out psychological treatment. Um, I'd been diagnosed with depression and anxiety. Um, I had gotten some treatment for both of those, including therapy, but also um, psychiatric drugs. And um, for a long time, I'd had that since there were sort of no changes in the way I was doing it, I had the medical side of it managed by a primary care physician. Well, recently within the last year, I started seeing a psychiatrist again. Um, and just listening to me and some of my history, that psychiatrist, you know, sort of re broached the topic of ADHD. We did some evaluation. Um, I started getting some treatment for ADHD and wow, it made a huge difference for me. So now that I finally admitted to myself um, what has probably been true for my entire life, um, I can look back on a lot of times and see moments that I wish I would have had a better understanding of what was going on with myself because it definitely would have changed some of the ways that I thought about myself, some of the ways that I felt about, about myself. Um, if I'd understood better what was going on with my executive function. And now I've said it three times. So I'm going to try to define it a little bit. You know, I'll define it as I understand it. I'm not an expert in executive function. If you need one, I've got one for you. We'll hear more about her later. 
Um, but as I understand executive function, it is essentially um, your ability to get yourself to do tasks, right? We all have tasks, right? Some of them we want to do <laughs> naturally. Some of them we really don't want to do. Um, and uh, when, uh, when, yeah, and like executive function influences your ability to not only just sort of stay on the task path um, that maybe you naturally want to do, but very specifically be able to do things that you don't naturally want to do. Um, and reflecting back on probably the overarching way ADHD has impacted my life has been that I have always struggled to get myself to do things I really didn't want to do or wasn't naturally interested in. Now, at various other points in my life, I had systems for coping with this. Um, they don't, a lot of them don't work for me anymore, which is probably another reason why it was good for me to get an understanding at this point in my life. Um, because the, like I said, the solutions that I had just weren't working for me anymore. They weren't, uh, they weren't doing the job that they used to. And I think when I get into it a little bit more, you'll probably understand why. Um, if I go back all the way, to, you know, being a kid in school. Um, I loved school when I was a really little kid. When I got started, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, probably up through the third grade, honestly, I absolutely loved to go to school every day. Um, you know, a lot of people, when they see ADHD, they think of hyperactivity because it's in the name. Um, and they think of like, you know, hyperactive physical movements. I don't think that um, I've ever really been like that. I think where I've had hyperactivity has always been in my thought process. I sort of have two modes. I either have a mode where I am not able to focus whatsoever, or it, it takes extreme levels of sort of motivation <laughs> to focus or I can get so absorbed in something that, you know, I very easily enter that flow state and I will focus on it forever. And early on in school, I found myself naturally interested in a lot of stuff they were trying to teach me. And also I felt like I had a lot of opportunities where um, I was allowed to work on things like for a long period of time, like the, the looking back in first, second grade, even when I was learning to read, you know, they would give us like a phonics book and they would just say, start work, you know, like start working your way through it. It wouldn't be like, um, we'd all be doing it together page by page. Like I remember being set off to independently work through it. I got so entranced in what I was doing that I would like you know, I was meant to do like a few pages or something. I would finish multiple books because I would just be like sort of going through it. Now, everything kind of fell apart for me school-wise when 
they started the concept in the, for me in fourth grade, this is going to like anybody who's raising kids right now is going to be like, they, 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 or they probably remember not doing homework until later. So I had no homework until fourth grade. And that's when things started to go wrong for me. Um, because homework was like, take me out of the school environment, take me out of that sort of setting and send me home to just like do something. And I could not for the life of me get myself to do homework. So I was constantly getting the feedback essentially from teachers. And I remember like lots of parent teacher conferences that were like, yeah, Chris is pretty bright, but he doesn't work hard. He's lazy. He won't do the work at home. And my parents, I think, um, at that time seemed quite frustrated with that. Right. Nobody likes to hear that their child's not trying their hardest. Um, not giving an honest effort at what they're doing. Um, and so I remember them being pretty upset with me for a period of time. And then essentially, eventually I sort of remember, I don't know what, maybe I just wore them out. They, they, they stopped, um, they stopped putting as much pressure on me. Like they get mad at me, you know, like when I'd get the grade back in some class and I would have like, you know, as you got older and you got grades by quarter, like I went into middle school and stuff, it would be like first quarter, a second quarter, C minus third quarter B like I would just be based on seemingly random, like essentially whether or not I figured out to do enough assignments or how much assignments played into that particular segment. But I was always, always absolutely horrendous at getting myself to do homework. I had no systems for doing it. I remember when I got up into middle school, I mean, when I say no systems here, I have a few horrible systems. So I had a system that looked like I waited until I got to school, then realized what I had to do for homework. I would ask to go to the bathroom and I would try to do the homework in the bathroom stall, like scribble something together so that I actually had something done. I remember doing this a ton of times. And, um, Teachers were not a huge fan <laughs> of that as a strategy. I wasn't getting correspondingly um, good grades. I would do well on tests. Um, uh, I would do a good job learning materials. Um, probably uh, the best teacher I can ever remember. I had two amazing teachers that really stood out for me in high school. One of them was a history teacher who still kind of gave me bad grades for not doing my notes on the chapter or whatever, but he was, he was wonderful to me on a personal level. Um, he never seemed like he was like, didn't like me as a person, like didn't take it personally that I wasn't doing homework in his class. His name was Mr. Whitbeck. Um, and so I, I just loved him for that reason. I had a second teacher who is probably, God, this guy belongs in like the hall of fame in my mind of all time teachers. It was a, a guy who was teaching calculus, was taking AP calculus. And he noticed that I wasn't doing the homework. And I explained to him that I couldn't get myself to do the homework, but I was still really interested in learning. And um, he sort of had some sense that I was still picking up material. 
So he said to me, he said, look, you pay attention in class. You learn what's going on. I'm going to call on you every day. And you better be ready to come up to the front of the classroom and solve shit. <laughs> I don't think he said shit, but, you know, I'm saying shit. Um, and it was a really great moment. He offered me kind of an alternate path, right, to still being competent and still following along. And he was such an amazing teacher that I, if I just sort of got absorbed in what he was saying in class, I could just learn stuff without having to go home and do it. So he was really incredible. Something changed when I went to college and that was, and I don't really know what happened in this respect, but I think it had to do with the fact that like, you know, in college versus high school, they're sort of drip feeding work to you. They get like progressively like, okay, do this. And then in a couple of days, we'll tell you to do this. In a couple of days, we'll tell you to do this. The college syllabus was amazing for me because it organized all the work that you had to do for an entire semester. So I looked at it um, after a little bit of struggling early on in my college experience. And I went, really what I would like to do with my time every day, what I naturally am motivated to do is go to the pool and train. I remember I got in trouble for skipping class to go to practice one time um, because I just loved working out. And I loved being on a sports team. Um, and the other thing I wanted to do all the time, and anybody who went to college with me can attest to it, I love playing video games. Um, and there's probably an ADHD story in that too. But anyway, I thought in a lot of my classes, because it's a history major, a lot of it was reading, writing papers, et cetera. I thought, what if I just sat down at the beginning of the semester and I just got all the work, I read all the books and I wrote all the papers and then I could just relax the rest of the way. So I started doing that. I, I, I would sort of go into hibernation mode, like hyper-focus mode and just churn through work. And I would keep churning until I completed the task, completed like a semester's worth of work. And usually that would take per, you know, like for all my classes, less than uh, maybe two, three weeks at the beginning of the semester. And then I just sort of cruise control the rest of the way. And like, was I doing everything the best I possibly could? No way. I was doing good enough work. Um, you know, best, best would involve probably drafting papers, like writing first, second drafts of things, not just sort of like writing the first version of something. Uh, and that really worked for me in college. And, you know, that's the same approach I used in grad school. We had class once every four weeks. It was, you know, like I, as I recall, I think Friday, Saturday, Sunday of classes, eight hours a day of classes, loved it. And then we had four weeks to do work until the next one. And I, instead of like dividing up the work in four weeks, I would just try to get it all done in 48 hours and then not do anything and essentially recover because, um, and I'll get to this in the superpower section. Yeah, of course I could always hyper-focus and get something done. And I got a huge amount of satisfaction from completing tasks, but um, it was draining. It was extremely draining because I didn't necessarily always want to do the work, um, you know, the sort of theoretical 
like write a paper kind of stuff. I didn't always want to do it. So I had to essentially force myself to do it. And I could, if I just really sort of overpowered, um, overpowered myself, but I would find myself just completely sort of destroyed. And that's the piece that hasn't worked for me as I got later into my life, because, you know, I did that at a time in my life when I was best equipped to be incredibly self-centered. You know, I, I was 25. I had a girlfriend who had become my wife, but she was in school all the time. So we sort of barely had any time for each other. We had so much time to just sort of be by ourselves. So I could either be sort of hyper-focusing or recovering most of my time. I didn't have to care for other people. Now I'm a dad, right? I have two kids. Um, anybody that's a parent knows you don't have a lot of time to just go like, oh, and you know, relax and recover. And, you know, that's always on to the next task. So, um, I think, you know, like I said, I, I don't get too deep into the pathology of all these sort of psychological disorders, but I do think that, um, having a brain that's wired in the way that I described certainly contributed to many moments where I felt depressed and anxious. Um, you know, it, it's depressing when you are trying to get yourself to do stuff and you're just sort of like run into the ground and you just can't, you just can't, which is, um, especially in my modern life with two kids, something I find myself in quite a bit more than I used to. Um, it is anxiety inducing, you know, to worry about your ability to complete all the things you need to do. That's another, uh, again, there's like a whole other video to be made on what do you need to do versus what do you want to do? Um, and what's truly something you need to do, but you end up with a lot of things on your plate. You end up with, um, obligations that you want to fulfill and feeling like you're unable to fulfill them certainly can, um, fill you with a lot of dread. So that's all, that's like, like a decent summary of the stuff that I reflect back on or the stuff that I think has, you know, hurt me. Um, and so I want to end on a really positive note, because as I said, I really have discovered that having a uh, brain that's wired differently. And I think there's a healthy amount of people who are wired in some similar way. Um, can be really amazing. Like really, 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 really amazing. The first one I've already sort of hinted at throughout this. And that is, I have always known that I have an ability to hyper-focus and through hyper-focusing, I can get a lot done in a short amount of time. And that is, gosh, for when you really need to crunch in and get something done, that's an amazing thing to have in your toolbox. Um, you know, like if I create enough external pressure, maybe it's not entirely healthy a lot of the time, but if I do, 
I can get really amazing things done in a short amount of time. Um, and I'm, I'm really grateful for that because a lot of the best things that I've done have been things that I have sort of sat and just really sort of intently worked on. Um, and, you know, there's plenty of things that I end up really naturally interested in. And those ones I can hyper-focus on essentially without almost like burning too much mental energy. Um, luckily for me, positive psychology is one of those topics. So that's something that I use every day. I use it here. I use it in the coaching that I do. I use it in my relationships. I use it when I talk to other people. And I am finding myself thinking about it all the time. And I know that there are people out there who'd really like to know about it, but it takes conscious effort for them to think about it and like really get that deep layer of thinking and knowledge on it. And I, to a certain extent, don't really need to work at it. And that is amazing. And I have that for any number of topics. Um, and sometimes they seem completely useless. Like I, you know, find myself obsessed with airline schedules and types of airplanes and um, any number of things. And then you come across a situation where you can just sort of like go like bing, bam, boom, you know, like, you know, exactly sort of what's going on. And people are thinking like, what, how does he know that? Um, and things just sort of come into place for you. Um, in a way that, you know, you never could have consciously prepared for. Um, another part of it that I think has really helped me is I think having a brain um, set this way or, or having executive function challenges um, quite naturally gives you great empathy as, as you move through life. Because if I even think back to uh, my old history teacher, Mr. Whitbeck, um, what did I love about him? I could tell that he had an incredibly warm empathy for me as a person. And that made such a massive difference at a point in my life where, you know, I felt like the way that I was, was something that just sort of naturally pissed people off, especially adults. Um, that were trying to teach me in school. And I totally understand why they were so frustrated and why it was so frustrating to work with me. But to have somebody the other way um, made such a huge difference for me that um, I sort of realized that was a really important part of being in the world. It was an important part if I was, you know, stepping into a field as I did where I was educating other people. It was something that I wanted to emulate. The other thing, and I hinted at this earlier, is I have always really, really struggled to explain myself to other people. Like people have noticed that I am strange, that there I have strange behaviors, that I do things in a strange way. And, you know, I think it like, on some level, it, it, it goes in a range from really bothers them or triggers them in some way to, um, makes them really curious. And 
I have such a hard time because it's literally, it's like a different language, right? Explaining what's going on with me. I have to try to find a way to translate it into a language that they might understand because, or, or like, you know, I meet one of my executive function brothers and they get it or sisters, <laughs> you know, they get it. But those other people who don't sort of naturally get it because they, they've experienced the same thing, you know, it's a lot of work to explain yourself. And so I've always had this sense with other people that, you know, I, I need to trust what it is they're telling me about their experience in life because there's a healthy chance that in the same way that I struggle to explain myself to other people, they are also struggling to explain themselves to me. Like they're, they're not trying to act in a way that um, disturbs me in some way. I just don't get them. Um, but I can, I can work at it and they don't know how to explain themselves in a way that I will get them. And so I think being built this way has um, given me a huge gift in terms of um, an ability to be empathetic to other people on a basic human level. Um, and so that's my journey. Um, I, uh, I hinted earlier that um, there have been several extremely helpful people that I know. Um, and I think probably one of the next steps that I'm going to take once I get myself fully organized at it, which brings me to my last point, you know, um, in typical ADHD fashion, I'm getting organized on the fly here. Um, uh, there's a woman who's also been through the Masters in Applied Positive Psychology, Sherry Fisher. Um, she's sort of got left out of the story, but I, I worked with her quite a bit, um, or sort of worked, we worked together. Um, in the interim, the 20, the, the 25 year old me getting, uh, finding out I had ADHD and the, the 38 year old me actually seeking treatment for it. Um, Sherry was somebody who I just, uh, I felt instantly got who I am. Every time I talk to her, she gives me wonderful insight into another aspect. She helps me peel another layer of myself. And she does so in such a wonderful sort of non-judgmental way. It just makes you feel like everything's going to be all right. Um, and I'm trying to find a way to work more structured with um, Sherry. She has a business called Learn and Flourish. She works with a lot of kids and adults um, that have, you know, executive function challenges. And she's just kind of a miracle worker. And I think I've finally gotten to the stage where I've acknowledged that a lot of my systems don't work. I've found a few more systems sort of muddling through on my own um, through getting some treatment that certainly make somewhat of a difference for me. But I ultimately, I plan on spending a year with Sherry, um, setting up some new systems for myself. And I, I, I hinted at this at the beginning, but one of the things that I have discovered more than anything else is, you know, because of the way 
I think I benefit hugely from structured environments. Probably why I love the sport of swimming so much because it's like, God, can you find a sport with more structure and more like, you know, just organization? Like it requires, and and somebody else in the form of a coach will usually do a lot of that organization. So they'll set up this beautifully structured environment for you. Um, so I've, I've figured out that, of course, I benefit a ton from organization and structure. The paradox is it's almost impossible for me in many situations to organize myself. And I know there is a way, you know, like it's so exhausting because I, I don't want to do it, even though it is a thing that will help me more than anything else. Um, so I'm going to be going on a journey with that. This journey is not over. Things are better. Of course, I'm feeling positive about it. I'm smiling. As I tell you guys this story, I'm not um, in the deepest, darkest, worst parts of this, for sure. Um, but in the meantime, if any of this resonates with you, like I couldn't recommend more reaching out to Sherry. And I guess if Sherry can't help you, you know, she probably have a million ideas for what you might be able to do otherwise. Um, but she's an amazing resource. Um, and maybe I'll have her on here when we start working together again to just talk through, um, some of this. And so that I think anybody that's in my audience too, can hear, um, just like a fraction of what I've seen she's capable of. Um, she has been on my podcast before, so you can go back and, look at some of those. If, if you are interested, you just, you know, look, look, look on Christy coach and look for Sherry Fisher. Um, and she's got a couple books, um, that you can read as well. Um, but that's where I am today in this journey. Uh, happy national ADHD awareness month to everybody out there. Um, I hope that listening to this maybe helped some of you. Um, whether you are somebody who's struggling with executive function or God, how could you avoid having somebody? I, I think it's almost impossible to avoid having somebody really important in your life who is struggling with this as well, or, or is amazing, as I said, because of some of this, um, who has amazing superpowers and you might recognize some of them in what I'm talking about, or you might recognize them in yourself. Thanks to everybody for listening. Um, thanks for following and you can expect more here as we proceed.